None of us like missing out. FOMO has become well and truly entrenched in our vocabulary as a society. If you're unfamiliar with the acronym, fear of missing out, none of us like, whether it's a social occasion or the next meme that goes viral on social media, or even if you feel like you're going to miss out on the best thing that is available on the, the, the menu at Weatherspoons later on. I mean, there's nothing worse, is there, when you're at a restaurant and someone orders something better on your table and you're like, I really wish that I'd gone for that. Paul, in the passage that we're going to look at today, seems to be uh, encountering some disciples and he seems to think they might be about to miss out on something in their faith and that there is more for them to experience in the things of God. And that thing, as we have talked about already, is the Holy Spirit. He seems to be suggesting that they are missing out on something of the Holy Spirit in their life. And today, uh, what we are going to be doing is we're going to look at what does it mean for us to, in Paul's language, receive the Holy Spirit? Why is it important to us and what does that look like? And we are going to get quite practical um, at the end. Just want to, again, signpost it so we all know sort of the direction that we're going on. And you can be thinking, could this be for me? We'll make some time at the end to respond and, um, and be prayed for if you feel like through listening to this, actually, this is something that I don't want to miss out on. And, and maybe there is more for me to get hold of. And we'll have an opportunity to pray. So we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 19 and uh, verse 1 through to 7. Could somebody who knows how one of these things works just come in? It's quite difficult to do it when you're holding a microphone, but I'll... So from verse 1. And it happened... Thanks very much, Matt. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we'd not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what, what then uh, were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one that was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Je the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Just to place this in the story of the Bible, if you're not familiar, uh, the book of Acts comes after Jesus' death, uh, life, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. And so then the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon God's people. And they have received the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit's available. And it's the really acts as a kind of the story of the beginning, the origin story of the church. Where does the church come from? Where you read it through this book. And Paul has just come to a place called Ephesus, where a big church is about to be established. And as you read through it, it becomes a real mega church in, um, in this place. But as Paul arrives, this is very much the beginning of the work in Ephesus. And Paul arrives, the Apostle Paul, who we have seen through the book of Acts so far, going from place to place, preaching the gospel, seeing people get saved, doing signs and wonders, miraculous stuff. And here he turns up in Ephesus. And he comes to these 12 disciples and he asks them this question. This one question that is essentially going to be pretty much the entire focus of our teaching today. Because in this one question, we get so much insight into the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. 
Who is the Holy Spirit for? What can we expect? And why is the gift of the Holy Spirit such a priority for Christians and and should be for believers? And the question we find in verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And in a moment, I want to look at this question and three different aspects of this question as we go through. But um, before we do that, there's, there's a first a question that we need to answer about the passage that I think is coming up here of, are these 12 disciples that Paul comes across, are they actually Christians? Are they believers? And I believe that Luke is trying to tell us that they are through these words that, that I have highlighted here. Two quick reasons why I, th- I think we can be clear these are actual Christians and believers. Firstly, as we see there, he found some disciples. Now, everywhere else in Luke's writing, when he uses the word disciple without any other qualification and just says a disciple, it's always talking about a genuine believer and follower of Jesus. Unless the context makes it really clear. So it might say disciples of John the Baptist in in other parts of his writing. But where it's just left here, unqualified, it's always talking about people who are genuinely saved and following Jesus. And then secondly, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And again, this word belief and believer is a word that's always talking about those who have been, throughout the book of Acts, genuinely committed their life to Jesus. It's kind of the, the word that is used for people who have become Christians. And believers is the, the, the same Greek word as we've got here. And constantly refers to genuine Christians. So if you're wondering, oh, he comes across these people, but are they actually Christians? I think almost Paul, uh, Luke couldn't be clearer in the language that he uses that he wants us to believe they are. Consider even the question. He doesn't have to ask it like that. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He could just ask, are you yet to receive the Holy Spirit? But he intentionally says, when you believed, to help us to see they are genuine believers. You might be wondering, why on earth is that relevant or important? It's important that we know that to Christians, Paul is asking this question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that brings us to the first uh, thing that I'd like to draw out from the question, is that this is a question that is worth asking. The Apostle Paul is known for many things. Asking logically ridiculous or incoherent questions is not one of his things. He is not asking some kind of obnoxious trick question like, is rain wet? Or he's not sort of opening up a bit of a theological quiz for these believers, for 10 points. Can anyone tell me, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's asking them, these believers, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Because it's a question worth asking. He's saying that it is very possible to be a Christian without having received the Holy Spirit in the way that Paul is talking about it here. And notice it's not just possible. This is the first question that he asks. In far as we can see, before he even asks their names, that did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's not how we train our welcome team here. I hope that was not your experience when you came in. Hi, welcome to Revelation Church. First time, is it? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If it was, that is not how we planned it. <laughs> he kind of expects it to happen. That as he turns up in a place where people are starting to become believers, he's kind of expecting 
oh, they, they will have heard the truth and got hold of it and believed it and become genuine Christians and are following Jesus, living good Christian lives. But to them, he says, but did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's not in any way questioning their salvation or saying that their faith is deficient in any way. He's just saying, look, I think there might be more for you. I think that you might be missing out perhaps a little bit on what's available for you. And we have to remember that Paul that we see here in Acts is the same Paul that we then see writing lots of letters to lots of churches after this point or, or at the same time chronologically. But we can see Paul in Acts and think he is just some kind of mad evangelist going from place to place, just blowing into a city, getting people saved, blowing out. He just cares about numbers, salvation, statistics. That's all he's about. But we need to remember he's a pastor, not a pastor's heart. He wants to see them do well. He wants to see these believers go from strength to strength. He doesn't want them to miss out. He wants to make sure all of the foundations are in place for them to get hold of everything they need to live a good Christian life. Everything that they need. And I think from Paul's perspective, they do need to receive. So firstly, it's a question that is worth asking. Secondly, it's a question for Paul of first importance. These 12 that he meets, commentators and scholars say, this is probably the extent of the church in Ephesus at this point. So this major city of Ephesus with, it's a pagan city. They've got this huge temple to this god Artemis that everybody goes to and worships and scores of other gods and idols that they, that they give their life to. This is a city that we learn as we go through. It's full of spiritual strongholds, so much opposition to the gospel. Up against that, in the blue corner, 12 disciples. 12 disciples that we learn as we go through the passage have insufficient theology. You think these guys have not got a chance. They are totally mismatched up against the city of Ephesus. And then Paul arrives in this city, and he knows he's only got a short time with them. He's only got a little bit of opportunity to help them. And you think, how is Paul going to equip them? How is he going to give them what they need so that their faith does not just get swallowed up by this big city of competing worldviews and ideologies? How is he going to make sure they do well? I mean, it's worth thinking. If you are familiar with the Bible and Paul, what would you expect him to do? Maybe teach some really intense Bible course. I mean, he's an extraordinary teacher. Just get as much truth as is possible into them. Or maybe, he's a great storyteller, share some encouraging testimony of how other churches in similar circumstances have done well. That you don't have to die as a church. You'll be all right. I've seen it happen here. I've seen it happen there. Or maybe warn them of the particular dangers of Ephesus. The, the, unpack the culture for them and say, look, this is what you need to watch out for. This might derail you. Now, all of that would have helped them. But what does he do first? What's he saying first to them? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's his first question. I think this tells us everything of how absolutely central for Paul the work of the Holy Spirit is in the life of a believer, how essential it is, 
how essential receiving this gift, whatever that means, must be for us to do well. Paul knew that understanding culture was not enough for these believers. He knew that being inspired and motivated by encouraging stories was not enough for the believers. Even knowing all of the knowledge and all of the truth was not enough on its own for these believers. Paul knew they needed power. They needed to receive it. We are not a million miles away from Ephesus, um, geographically or culturally. Uh, we might be removed from them by quite a long time, but we too, we're a, a small group, relatively speaking, in a big city of Manchester. We hold a minority belief in a big city where the predominant belief systems of this world and of this age are completely different to ours and increasingly opposed to the things of the gospel. We too are totally mismatched. How do we make sure that our faith is not going to get completely swallowed up by the ideologies and the different worldviews of the big city? Is it just a case for us of just trying to get hold of as much Christian content as we possibly can? More Christian podcasts, more sermons while we're cooking? Is it just a case of making sure that we follow enough inspirational Christian leaders on Instagram? If we just watch enough of their stuff that we will be inspired and we'll be motivated and that will be enough to see us through? Is it a case of, well, we just need to make sure we find the right mentor? As long as I can find the right mentor, everything else will click into place. Again, I think we can say, yeah, that would be helpful. But it's not what we need. What we need is the Holy Spirit. What we need is the power that Paul is offering here to the disciples in Ephesus. Luke is including this as he's included something very similar in chapter 2 in Jerusalem and chapter 8 in Samaria. You think, why do we need another example of the Holy Spirit being poured out so in such a way? He wants to make the point that whatever situation the church finds itself in, wherever it is, whatever it looks like, they need the Holy Spirit. The church needs the Spirit poured out on the lives of its people of its individuals. This for Paul is what day-to-day, real-world, real-life Christian living in the trenches looks like. You need to be filled and empowered by the Spirit. This is first importance on Paul's agenda. So firstly, it's a question worth asking. Secondly, it's a question of first importance. Thirdly, it's a question worth answering. Sorry, a question they could answer. My brother used to say, being filled with the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit is a bit like being hit by a bus. You know if it has happened, which was a massive overstatement then and is a massive overstatement now. But the point is, if receiving the Holy Spirit was just an unseen, unfelt work that happens, but we just don't really know about it, The only response that these Ephesians disciples could give to Paul would be, when he asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit, would be, we don't know, Paul. You are going to go down as the greatest theologian that has ever lived. Why don't you tell us if we received the Holy Spirit when we believed? 
No, Paul is asking because only they, from their experience, will be able to tell him. Only they will know. Paul is he's not doing book work here. He's not doing high, lofty theology. He is asking them, what is your experience? Have you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit? That's, what, that's his question. Because we know Paul's theology. We know from this, look, they are believers. They're disciples. We know that Paul knows that they are saved. They have, they have and he knows, and we know, that is impossible without the work of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is at work in their lives already. He is indwelling them. He has come to take resident, residence within them. He's giving them assurance of their salvation. He's uh, cleansing them. He's sanctifying them. The Holy Spirit is already at work in these 12. Paul knows that because they're disciples. And it's true for all of us here today. If we know Jesus, if we would say we're following him, we're in relationship with him, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and we have the Holy Spirit within us. But clearly, that is not the question that Paul is asking. He's asking, what is your experience of the Holy Spirit? Have you encountered him? Have you known the presence of God as we read in verse 6, come upon you? Have you felt a holy weight come and rest upon you as he is present in the room? Or have you felt your bones start to tingle? Or have you felt just some kind of new power coursing through your veins? Have you had a moment, Paul is asking, where you are able to say, I am meeting with God and I know it. Because again, through the book of Acts, we see these times where it seems like something of that ilk is going on. Receiving the Holy Spirit seems to be, again, chapter 2 in Jerusalem, chapter 8 in Samaria, chapter 10 with Cornelius here, that there's some kind of experience going on where actually often people who are looking on from outside are able to see something is happening to that person over there, although certainly that doesn't always have to be the case. But something is going on as that person is receiving the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking, what is that something? What is going to happen to me? If I come forward and, and respond, if I'm prayed for, what is that going to look like for me? Well, I'm afraid I can't tell you exactly what it's going to be like. It's different for everybody. But it's worth us thinking and remembering. As we come, we are coming to our good Father in heaven. So we know that it is going to be a good thing. We know that he only does good things and only has good gifts for his children. And in fact, when Jesus is talking about that passage, you might be familiar with it. That the good Father only gives good gifts to his children and how much more will he give good things. He says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's, he, the, the subtext or the, the implication is the Holy Spirit is the best gift that you are going to receive from your good Father. And so everybody's experience is different. You might feel, I don't know, warmth or cold going through. You might feel like a cold breeze is going past you. Or you might just feel an intense sense of peace 
that is just unlike anything else that can be experienced. You might feel joy. You just start laughing because out of nowhere, happiness is bubbling up within you. When I first received the Holy Spirit, I started to cry. I don't know why. I think it was, I didn't feel sad. They were happy, good tears, but I just felt a sense of emotional outpouring of God is here. God is with me, that he really is real, and I don't think he's ever going to leave me. Of course, I know he'll never leave me, but just that felt experience of all of these things that I know are true are coming real for me in the moment. So I just cried like a baby. It's very easy to focus on what is actually going to happen to me. What will my experience be? And I can understand that, but it's very easy then to miss out on the biggest story that is going on of the God of the universe wants to encounter me. He wants to draw near to me. He wants to meet with me. Because that's exactly what's going on. I know when we use the language Holy Spirit, I'm certainly guilty of this. It can be very easy to sort of depersonalize it and think that it sounds like some kind of mysterious, mystical force or power. But the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God himself. Paul refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of Jesus Christ, which I think is just very helpful for us, that he comes to us and he makes the person of Jesus real. So when we encounter and receive the Holy Spirit, we are receiving Jesus Christ, the one that saved us, the one that we know, the one that we love. The opportunity is, do I want to get more of Jesus? And so this question, this question that is worth asking, this question that is of first importance to us, and this question is, that is one that they could answer, is the same question that's before us today. Have you received the Holy Spirit as well as believing? Like these disciples in verse 2 who said, oh, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Your response might be similar. You think, I have never heard any of these things before. This is all totally new to me. Or maybe you have heard something of it before and you thought, I never thought this would be for me. I've always discounted it. Or maybe you have heard that you've just never had an opportunity. Well, in just a moment, I want to make an invitation for you to come forward and we'll pray for you. But just before we do that, how does it happen? How, what does this look like? Well, we can't prescribe it like many things in the Christian life, but we get a good model, I think, in verse 6, where we read, And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Paul lays his hands on them, and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They receive God just through the laying on of hands. That's it. That's all that happens. Just see how easy and available and accessible the Holy Spirit is to us. No complicated ceremony or ritual that we have to go through. Just the laying on of hands and they receive. And notice there is no need for them to wait but they, they haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. And then almost immediately, there they are, encountering and experiencing him. That we don't have to 
if we don't want to. We can, we can immediately respond. We don't have to go away and think about it or clean up our act. We can come forward, whatever our situation. This is a gift available for everybody to receive freely. And a gift that is so good that we can keep receiving and keep receiving again and again and again. Paul actually writes to this church that he is starting off here in Ephesus later on, go on being filled. And I wonder if these 12 men were still part of the church, probably at least some of them were, and they heard they're basically hearing, oh, this first time was just the first time. I need to keep going on being filled. I can keep having these experiences and these encounters with God. But here what Paul is doing is he's just looking to get them started off in this life of receiving the Holy Spirit. It's their first time. They don't know anything about it. And so he just wants to encourage them and help them along in it and get them started. And this life in the Spirit that he's introducing them to includes the gifts of the Spirit. Do you see in verse 6, they started speaking in tongues and prophesying. Now, that is a whole new sermon for a different day. But just a quick word on the gift of tongues is that the gift of tongues, as you may have heard a little bit in our worship time, is a good gift. The gift of tongues is, is simply a spiritual prayer language that we are given by God to be able to express ourselves when we're all together, but also in our own personal prayer life. And if you have ever struggled in prayer, which I know none of you ever have, you're all total experts, all of us are, if you've ever struggled in your prayer life, trust me, you want the gift of tongues. It is so helpful to be able to relate to God and pray to him. And I won't say any more now, just for the sake of time, but I will make an opportunity as we pray through later to, if you want to, to receive the gift of tongues and to start having a go and getting started in that gift, which like any other language that we might learn, takes a bit of time. We often don't start as fluent, but you can just start off in your steps in that journey. And so my question before we respond is, has there ever been a time in your Christian walk where you've thought, maybe I'm just missing something in my following of Jesus. That you've wanted to live this Christian life, but you've just felt, I just can't do it for whatever reason. I need more power. Maybe power to start to win this internal war that you feel is going on in your own soul. Or power to finally walk away from some of those habits that have plagued you and to start to live a more obedient and faithful life for Jesus. Power to live the life where you start to see the kingdom of God actually advancing among your friends and your family. Primarily, I think that Paul would say, if that's you, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not the only answer. There's lots of other components that come into it, but I believe his primary emphasis, as here with the Ephesians, is you need the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Start by receiving the gift. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the band up and we're going to sing a short part of a song in just a moment. Now, it's been so long for all of us since we've been able to do this and pray for one another and receive the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do today is I want to make an opportunity for 
anybody and everybody who would like to be prayed for to receive the Spirit, whether it's your first time or you just, uh, uh, maybe a fresh conviction this morning of, I just need the Spirit more in my life. I want Him to come upon me. Maybe you've got lots of experience of receiving the gift of the Spirit, but you just, I just want more of this. I've so missed being prayed for by my church. There's an opportunity for everybody to come forward. And of course, if this is, you've never received the Spirit and you just want to start off in life in the, um, life in the Spirit, what we're going to do is we're going to invite anybody, if you fall into any of those categories in a moment, to come forward. And the reason we come forward is, firstly, it helps us to pray for you. But secondly, Jesus says, when he's speaking of the Spirit, anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me. And I just think there's something about us getting out of our seat and taking those steps that kind of communicates to ourselves, I really want this. I am ready for this. I'm coming forward to get something from Jesus today. And so we're going to sing just a little bit of a song just to give you a couple of minutes to think, okay, could this be for me? Do I want to receive something of what I've heard today? And serving teams, I just want to make it really clear for you and you guys, please don't think, oh, I'm serving, so I ought not to. This is a matter of first importance. We need to make sure that if you are hungry, if you are thirsty for the Spirit today, we pray for you. So this is open to everybody. And so let's sing a little bit of a song. I'd like to invite you to stand. A couple of minutes to think. Do I want to come forward for this? And then I'll be back to invite you.